This morning we're going to begin a brand new series called uh, Essentials. If someone were to ask you, what are the most essentials of life, what would you say? How would you answer that? What's the essentials of life? Well, if you're talking physically, you know, hopefully you would say like water and air, right? And food. How many of you know you can't live a normal, healthy life without the essentials of water, food, air, right? But what about spiritually? If somebody were to ask you, what's the essentials of your life, spiritually speaking, what would you say? Attending church? Helping and caring for people? Is that essential in the Christian faith? Keeping God's laws? What are the essentials in the spiritual life? What are the things that are necessary to live a strong, vibrant, and healthy Christian life? How many of you know you could be a Christian and not be vibrant? You could be a Christian and not be healthy. You can be a a Christian and not strong. Am I right? How many of you would agree with that? Say amen. I'm going to have some congregation participation this morning. Amen? So in this series, we're going to talk about some of the essentials to the Christian faith. And uh, things that that are really and most important and necessary to live a strong spiritual life. So for the next several weeks, we're going to be talking about that. But the very first essential we want to talk about is the need for worship. How many of you know we have a need for worship? Now, I want to come, I want to come at this maybe a little bit different, I think, than I ever have before. But uh, did you know that you can be a regular church attender and you can even believe in God, but not be a genuine worshiper of God? Do you know that? Some of you just got quiet. Is that right? I heard you say that. But no, it's true. Listen to what Jesus said in Matthew 15, 7. You hypocrites, well did Isaiah prophesy of you. These people say they honor me, but their hearts are far from me. They're far away. They wor- their worship is worthless. Oh my goodness. Of all the practices and responsibilities in the Christian faith, I think genuine worship is the most important thing that you and I can do. It's the most important. In fact, the very first commandment given the church emphasized the importance of worship. Remember in Exodus 20, whenever the children of Israel were delivered from from Egypt and, and the Lord was giving them instructions on how to live? The very first commandment emphasized the importance of worship. And this is what it says. Exodus 21. Then God gave the people all these instructions. I am the Lord your God who rescued you from the land of Egypt, the place of your slavery. You must not have any other God but me. You must not make for yourself an idol of of any kind of, or an image of anything in heaven or on earth or in the sea. You must not bow down to them or worship them. For I, the Lord your God, am a jealous God who will not tolerate your affection for any other gods. Wow. The Lord was preaching right there. Amen. So his first instruction to Israel was, I, the Lord your God, am a jealous God who will not tolerate your affection for any other gods. How many of you would agree this first commandment emphasized the importance of pure and undefiled worship to the living God? Would you all agree with that? See, the first commandment is the most important commandment because it lays the foundation for all the other commandments, right? 
First is important. And the very first thing the Lord said is be careful, not allow gods in your life. Make sure you keep him first. Jesus reiterated the importance of worship in the New Testament. Remember when the lawyer asked him that question, trying to trip him up and said, which is the, what's the most important commandment? And Jesus said, he replied in Matthew twenty two thirty seven, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. What was he saying? What, what, what does that have to do with worship? Well, worship is worship. Worthship. How many of you know God is worth our praise? He's worth our, our adoration. And so he's saying, listen, worship is worship. It's giving the Lord our first and foremost affection and adoration. Isn't that true, saints? That's what worship is. Worship is to love God with all your heart, mind, and soul. Jesus said the most important commandment, In the entire Bible, if you bold it down, everything that you see in the Bible, if you bold it down to one thing, the one thing is love God with all your heart, mind, and soul. So once again, I think Jesus' response was reiterating the importance of worship. In fact, Jesus trained his disciples to to realize the importance of worship. And, And in the process of teaching his disciples to pray, This is what he said. This is what he told them. He said in Matthew 6, 9, Pray then this way, Our Father who's in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Now, we're familiar with that prayer. We recite it. But listen, how many of you know that, that Jesus was teaching us the importance of worship? And in that prayer, Jesus taught us to pray, Our Father in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Hallowed be thy name means to set or to sanctify the Lord apart in your heart. That's what it means. It it means to praise and to adore him. And so he says, listen, guys, when you get ready to pray and you start to pray, listen, use this as remember this. This is a good thing to pray for. But start it out by saying this, Our Father who art in heaven. Hallowed be thy name. How many of you know his name is holy? His name is holy. And he says the first thing you do, before you give him all your petitions, worship him. Before you tell him everything you need, worship him. The importance of worship. And so can you be a church attender and not be a genuine worshiper? And the answer is, yes, you can. Can you believe in God? I believe in God. Can you believe in God and not be a genuine worshiper? And the answer is, yes, you can. In John 4, Jesus said, The time is coming, indeed, it's here now, when true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth. The Father is looking for those who worship Him that way. Now, if the Father is looking for people that worship Him in spirit and truth, I think He wants true worship. I think He's looking for true worshipers. Don't you all agree with that? And so why is the need to worship so important in the believer's life? Why is that so important? Well, let me talk a little bit about that. I believe, first of all, worship keeps our hearts properly positioned to receive from the Lord. And and let me unpack that a little bit. I, I, I want to just give you three reasons. There's probably a host of them, but let, just for the sake of time. One, one reason why we need to uh, worship God, it keeps our hearts right because worship keeps you from worshiping yourself. 
You know, I heard somebody say, you know, like it's, there's a problem with pastors. They pastor in churches, but they don't worship. They sit in church while worship is going on like a statue. And they're the pastor. Somebody said, well, the reason why they don't worship is they too, they're so used to getting worship themselves. But how many of you know it's a tendency for everybody? History has proven the natural tendency of man is to be consumed with himself instead of being consumed with God. 2 Timothy 3.1 says, but realize this, in the last days, difficult times will come. For men will be lovers of self, lovers of money, boastful, arrogant, revilers, disobedient parents, ungrateful, unholy. Verse 4 says, treacherous, reckless, conceited, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God. And notice what Paul says, in the last days, this is what we can expect. People will become lovers of self, lovers of money, and lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God. Oh, my goodness. Y'all ready to pray? Can we close the service now? Should we have time for repentance and prayer? One of the characteristics of the last days is that people will become more preoccupied with themselves than they are with God. And people will become worshipers of self rather than worshipers of God. That's what Paul is trying to warn Timothy about. So what's the solution? What's the solution to to keep us from self-worship? Well, follow the great commandment. Matthew 22, 37. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your might. Amen? I believe the solution to keeping Todd from being on the pedestal of my heart is to make sure I put God on the pedestal of my heart. Amen? Now, the second reason worship isn't so important to believers is that worship keeps you from worshiping the creation rather than the creator. Is that possible that people will start worshiping the sun and the moon and the trees and the birds and the bees instead of the Lord himself? Come on, y'all need to help me preach here. Am I talking to the right gang? Romans 1.21 says, although they they knew God, they neither glorified him as God nor gave thanks to him. But their thinking became futile and their foolish hearts were darkened. Verse 25 says, they exchanged the truth of God for a lie and worshiped and served created things rather than the creator who is forever praised. Amen. See, whenever you don't worship God, somebody said it's not that you're going to worship nothing, you're going to worship anything. You're going to worship anything. And, And listen, once again, Paul warns the people, and he says that people will begin to worship created things instead of the creator himself. And isn't that true of our communities, that our communities are filled with people that are worshiping God's creation rather than him himself? No? Isn't that true? You see, I believe we're guilty of worshiping people, worshiping money, worshiping celebrities, worshiping sports, exercise, relationships, pleasures, hobbies, and work rather than God himself. 
We've made gods out of money. We've made gods out of people. We've made gods out of sports. We've made God out of careers. We've made God out of pleasure. Yes, it's happening all over. We're not bowing down to some statue with eyes and ears that is carved on a piece of wood. We fabricated our own. And I think America has to wake up and realize that we are to obey the first commandment and not allow any God before us, whether it be a Republican Party or the Democratic Party or or some candidate or any other such thing. Amen. Worship has to be first. And the real problem is our gods turn our hearts away from him. That's the problem. The third reason worship is so essential in the believer's life is that worship keeps your heart free from idolatry. In 1 Corinthians 10, 14, it says, Therefore, my dear friends, flee from idolatry. What is idolatry? It's when you allow someone or something to become more important than God in your life. Listen, we don't hear this today. We're not hearing this. But is that the truth? Would you all agree that's the truth? But see, and, and we can be coming to church and believe in God and, and we think, you know, as best as we know, we're doing okay. But the question is, are we moving into idolatry? See, an idol is anything that we set our affections on that takes God's place in our hearts. You can make a God, you can make an idol out of your family. You can, make a, you can make an idol out of ministry. Come on, are y'all hearing me out there? 1 John 5, 21 says, Dear children, keep away from anything that might take God's place in your hearts. A good question to ask is, what do you love most in your life? What do you love most? If it's not God, it may be an idol. If it's not God, it may be an idol. Why the need to worship? Here's what I believe. And here's why I want to talk about that, this this subject this morning. Because worship in essence gets your heart right and keeps your heart right with God. That's why the first commandment and the greatest commandment and Jesus teaching us how to pray on a regular basis, he taught us, to worship because worship keeps your heart right with God and worship keeps anything and everything from taking God's place first place in your heart. Amen. Are y'all with me? Do you see why it's so important? Because if not, we basically turn our hearts away from God. So listen, when your heart is right with God, man, all of heaven's blessings and favor flows your way. Now, listen, everybody wants God's blessing and favor to flow their way. But how many of you know you got to keep your heart right with God? You got to keep your, you got to stay on the right track with God. Listen, you can't go hang around in, in the cesspool and expect God's favor to flow in your life. Amen. Listen, the need of worship was best is illustrated in a powerful way, I believe, in the book of Judges. And, and you may have not seen this or noticed this, but, um, I, you know, years ago as we were going through the Bible, in Judges you see a spiritual cycle in the nation of Israel that is repeated over and over again in our society. And, and I want you to, as I give you these words, I want you to, to just think of it as a cycle, like, you know, over and over again, Okay. 
The first one is security. And the security was when the children of Israel were in bondage in Egypt and they were oppressed and they were beaten down and they were just made, uh, you know, servants and, and, and there was no joy, no peace. And they were totally oppressed people. And God delivered them into the promised land and they had security. But as you read the story of the nation of Israel, they sinned. They turn their hearts away from God and they begin worshiping other gods. And whenever that happened, they began to suffer. They began to suffer. Israel began to lose the protection of the Lord and their enemies began to be, uh, they began to be overcome by their enemies and their enemies began to destroy them. But then Israel, whenever they found themselves in a place of suffering, they started crying out to God. And said, God, we need your help. Just like they did in Egypt. They started crying out to God. And whenever they started crying out to God, they begin to worship him. And they begin to turn their hearts back towards God. And you know what God did? He brought salvation. He He raised up a deliverer. And he set them free from their suffering. And they had a good time. You can see the pattern. There's, there's, it's repeated over and over again in the book of Judges. If you'll read the book of Judges, you'll see this cycle over and over again. But here's this one, a little snapshot. In Judges 3.12, it says, Once again, the Israelites did evil in the eyes of the Lord. And because they did this evil, the Lord gave Eglon, king of Moab, power over Israel. Getting the Ammonites and the Amalekites to join him, Eglon came and attacked Israel, and they took possession of the city of Palms. The Israelites were subject to Eglon, king of Moab, for 18 years. You can see the cycle. The children of Israel were in the promised land. They were doing good. They, they were enjoying houses they didn't build, cisterns they didn't dig, vineyards they didn't plant. I mean, they were, they were doing good. But their hearts turned from God. They turned from God and they went from security to sin to captivity by the king of Moab. But then they turned their hearts to the Lord and and, and they began to cry out to God. They said, God, we're suffering. We need help here. And the Lord raised up a deliverer. You can see it in verse 15. And the Israelites cried out to the Lord and he gave them a deliverer, Ehud, a left-handed man, the son of Gera, the Benjamite. And so the deliverer came and they enjoyed the blessing of the promised land. The Bible says for 80 years, not eight, but 80. In verse 29, at that time, they struck down about 10,000 Moabites, all vigorous and strong. Not a man escaped. That day, Moab was made subject to Israel and the land had peace for 80 years. Wow. How about that? What a blessing for 80 years. They enjoyed peace and the blessing of God. But you know what? If you keep reading, you would think, okay, y'all, y'all know what it's like to suffer and to, and to reap the consequences of letting your heart turn away from God. And you end up in the wilderness. You end up in the desert and you cry out to God and God delivers you. Now you learned your lesson, right? And the answer is, no, they didn't. They didn't. After 80 years, guess what happened? They turned their hearts away from the Lord. They begin to allow idols in their life. And guess where they went? Back into captivity. And you can see the cycle, security, sin, suffering, supplication, salvation, and then back to security. And the question is, what happens to you and I? It's the same thing. And this is how it's played out more in a contemporary setting. 
Our life has fallen apart and we're having problems on every, on every hand and we turn towards God. We start going to church. We start reading our Bible. We confess our sins. We say, God, forgive me, Lord. I need you in my life. God hears our prayer. He raises up a deliverer. The spirit of the living God comes and delivers us from the captivity of the evil one. Amen. And then we enjoy the blessing. We enjoy his peace and his presence. But what happens many times is whenever we're in that place of, of, of blessing, we allow idols to come in our life. And we begin worshiping the creation instead of the creator. We worship pleasure and money and, and all these other things. And it causes our heart to be drawn away from God. And then the next thing you know, we're back in the place of suffering. And my thought is, what if we learned from history? from other people's history, that if we want to live in the promised land, if we want to live under the blessing and the favor of God, let's guard our heart and let's watch and make sure that we don't let any idols in our life and let's worship the living God from, from sunup to sundown, amen? From day, from weekend to week out, amen? From month to month, year to year. How about we just make a lifestyle of worshiping the King of Kings? Are y'all with me out there? Y'all tracking with me this morning? And you see, food, just realize that, that we, it'll help us. It'll help us to stay in the position of being blessed by God. And so, listen, in my mind, we need to be worshipers because it keeps us from getting into bondage. It keeps us from suffering whenever the hand of protection is. It's not that God punishes us. It's that we just get out of his place of protection. See, it's like we get out from under his fire or his cloud. It's not that God wants to see us suffer. He died so we wouldn't suffer. Amen? But he's given us this thing called free will. And he says, I'm not going to make you do anything. But if you want to, why don't you serve me and worship me? And if you do, I'm telling you, I'm going to be your God and I'm going to take care of you. Amen? But he's not going to strong arm us into submission. And so in my mind, we need to be worshipers because it keeps us from bondage and suffering. And in my mind, we need to be worshipers because it keeps our heart right with God and positions us to receive from the Lord. How many of you, how many of you are following me this morning? I mean, think, think a little bit like in your life personally. I know some of you, you ain't been a Christian all your life, right? And some of you are, you are a tiger before you got saved. Some of us are still tigers, even though we say, but some of us were real tigers before we got saved, right? And there ain't too many people that started coming to church because everything was great. Most people come to church because their life is suffering. And then we get right with God. We give our heart to Jesus. We start serving and following him. And God turns our life around. Isn't that true? How many of you, that's your story? That's my story, man. I'm telling you, go praise the Lord. I mean, at 11 years old, I was started doing drugs. At 22, I became a Christian. And now I'm 53. For 31 years, I've been worshiping God and serving the Lord. And I'm telling you, man, it, there's, no, there's no life like serving the Lord. Can I get a witness this morning? Can I get a testament in here this morning that that's the way to live your life? Amen. And so if you could just get this, if you could just, if you could just figure this out, and you could just begin to start managing your own life. So how do we become worshipers, genuine 
worshipers. How do, how do we get there? Let me just give you a couple of suggestions and then we're going we're gonna to stop. But the first one is you got to guard your heart. The Bible says in Proverbs, I think it's four, that guard your heart because out of it flow the issues of life. And so, you know, you heard me say that, you know, whenever we had all this stuff going on in, in Baton Rouge and in Dallas and, you know, and all this stuff, the problem, the heart of the problem is the problem of the heart. You know, listen, most problems in my life, I can't blame you for them. I got to blame myself. And most problems in my life, I can tell you, most problems that I have in my life are a heart problem. And so the first thing we got to do is guard our heart. And this is what Exodus 20 verse 3 says, you must not have any other God but me. You must not make for yourself an idol or any kind of image or anything in the heavens or in the earth and the sea. You must not bow down to them or worship them. For I, the Lord your God, am a jealous God who will not tolerate your affection for any other gods. Is that clear? Is that clear? So then I have to evaluate my life. Is there anything in my life that's more important than God? If it is, I need to, I need to make some shifts. I can't allow anything to become more important. And listen, for pastors, sometimes we make a God out of church, out of ministry. It can be so simple. Do you know you can't even make your family more important than God? Say, well, I love my family. That's fine. But you ain't going to be able to love your family right unless you keep him first. Come on, unless you got the grace of God, the love of God, unless he holds your family together, there is no family. Amen. So we got to keep it first. So pay close attention, not allowing anyone or anything to become more important than God in your life. How do you do that? Here's my suggestion. Put God first. Put him first. How do you put him first? You put him first in your day. You put him first in your week. You put him first in your finances. You put him first in your schedule. Come on. Can I get a witness? Come on. Can I get a witness? You put him first. You put him first. That's how you keep him first. Amen? Y'all are too quiet today. Y'all need to help me preach this morning. Amen? Number two, how do you become a worshiper? Obey and follow the greatest commandment. Jesus said, love your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. Now listen, it's not anybody else's responsibility for me to love God. It's my responsibility. And so like, for instance, Tanya and I are married. And how many of you would agree it's my responsibility to love my wife? That's biblical. How many of you agree with that? But do you, do you take responsibility for me loving my wife? Who takes responsibility for that? It's me, it's me, oh Lord, standing in the need of prayer, right? It's my responsibility to stay in love with my wife. So whenever I get anything that comes my way, that wants to turn my head, turn my heart, it's my responsibility to love my wife. When it comes to our God, whose responsibility is it? It's ours. 
And when things come our way that we get excited about and we're just wanting to spend our time and energy on, we have to just say, no, 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 no. I'm going to keep God first. I'm going to love God with all my heart, mind, and soul. Amen? And so when I haven't been to church and I hadn't been reading my Bible and I hadn't been worshiping and I hadn't been putting him first, I have to just stop for a moment and say, oh, my Lord. If we don't worship God, it's not that we're going to worship nothing. It's we're going to worship no telling what. Amen. Amen? Come on. How many of you agree with that this morning? And then finally, we got to train ourselves to be a worshiper. We got to train ourselves to be worshipers. And so Matthew chapter 6 and 9, remember Jesus said, pray then this way. Our Father who's in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. He was teaching us a prayer that we should pray every day. So how, how often should we worship God? And the answer is, how often should we worship God? And the answer is, every day. Every day. And he says, listen, every day you should pray this prayer. Every day you should call out on the name of the Lord and you should hallow his name. He's holy. He's righteous. Amen. And listen, we got to realize that whenever we do that and we train ourselves, listen, when you got yourself up out of bed today and came to church, you are training yourself to be a worshiper. You're saying, listen, I got a lot to do. There's a lot on my plate, but I'm not going to let anything, anybody, any situation take me off of serving and worshiping the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. Amen. And I'm telling you, I believe that we have a need to worship. And if we'll just make worshiping God a priority, it'll position us to receive the flow and the blessing of heaven in our life each and every day. Amen. And whenever you look at the children of Israel and the nation of Israel, every time they allowed their heart to, to, to veer away from God, that's whenever they got into trouble. And the Lord gave us those stories and those examples so that we could follow it and saying, listen, and I'm not going astray. I'm staying before the Lord. I'm not going to let any squeaky wheel or any voice or anything, any lust or anything catch my eye and get me away from the King of Kings. As for me and my house, I will serve the Lord. I'm going to worship the Lord because there ain't nobody that can do like my God. There's nobody that can bless me like my Lord. Everybody else might walk out, but God will never walk out. God will walk in when everybody else walks out. And whenever there's nothing that this world has that can help me fulfill or just to meet the needs in my life, I can turn to the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords and he will meet the need in my life. There is nothing that is more valuable than to keep him as the King and the Lord of our lives. Come on, are you with me, saints? Come on, stand with me and let's just take a moment to just worship him right there where we are. Right there where we are. We can be in church and not be a worshiper. We can believe in God and not be a worshiper. Let's just take a moment. Can we worship God without music? Can we worship God without song? Can we worship God right where we are, wherever we are, anytime we are? Listen, some of us, maybe this morning, we just need to say, Jesus, forgive me. Forgive me. 
If I had to think about it, I love something more than I love you. Come on, can we just right now just say, Lord, I, Lord, pull down every idol in my life. Even if that idol happens to be me. We're living in a narcissistic society where people are consumed with themselves. It's me, it's me, it's all about me. But Jesus said, no, not in the kingdom. It can't be about us. It has to be about him. So can we just make a shift in our hearts this morning and say, Lord, I want to, come on, just right there where you are, can you just make a fresh commitment to the Lord and say, Lord, I don't want any idols in my life. I don't want even life itself to so preoccupy me that I don't have time or I don't have a place to worship you. Worshiping God is an essential, I think, the most essential thing in our life. So can we just take a moment this morning and can we just once again just just renew our heart, our affection, our love for God Father, I pray this morning that, God, you would just release your grace over this place. Father, I pray this morning that you would touch our hearts. You know, the first step, the most important step that anyone could ever make is just the decision to say, I want the Lord to be the Lord of my life. I want the Lord to rule my life. If you're here today and you've never really taken that step, you've never asked the Lord to genuinely forgive you and and made a conscious decision with your free will to say, Lord, I'm going to serve you. I want to give you a chance to do that this morning. And you can do it simply through prayer by opening up your heart. So if that's you this morning, you say, Todd, would you pray for me? I want to make sure that I'm a Christian and that my heart is right with God. If that's you, would you just indicate that by raising your hand so I can see your hand? And I'm going to pray, especially special prayer just for you just raise your hand because this is really the most important decision that you could ever make just just raise it up and just wave it at me and and I want to just pray that prayer anybody I just want to take the time this is the all right ma'am I see your hand anybody else how many of you believe it's worth it there you go ma'am right here another hand amen thank you for being so bold and courageous thank you for just being willing to surrender and submit your heart thank you sir I see your hand anybody else listen those of you that have your hands raised we're going to pray this prayer together as a family just say this Lord Jesus I believe you died on the cross and you shed your blood so my sins could be forgiven. I want you to be Lord of my life. I want to serve you. I want to be a worshiper. Would you help me, Lord, to live the Christian life and to be one of your worshipers? Thank you, Jesus, for forgiving me and cleansing me of all my sins. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen. Amen.